Welcome to the second episode of Middle Eight Madness. Today, I have Eric with me from Vinyl Rewind. What's up? Eric, tell me a little bit about what you do, man. What I do, uh, <laughs> just like you, man, I make videos on, on YouTube, but I kind of have a vinyl bent with my videos in terms of like, uh, you know, I go into packaging and different variants, um, not just the music that it contains. Mm -hmm. You've got much more of a, I think, a talk show approach to your channel and much more of like a personality driven approach to your channel, which if anything, I think I'm a little envious of. I feel like I should uh, be on camera more, <laughs> but yeah. When you got that sweet ba basement set up too, like how, is that just your, like how long did it take you to put that together? Or is that something that you've just like already had? Uh, uh, that's a long story, but basically it, it started out as a set and that, and then it turned into like a permanent place to hang out. Uh, but yeah, it took a while to get to this point. It wasn't like overnight. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I keep adding to it. It's almost done. I just need to keep adding to it. So and how, how many records are in your collection at this point? Uh, th roughly 3000 pieces. Wow. So wow. that's like, it's a little confusing because on Discogs where I keep track, like they'll count yeah. a box set as one thing. Mm. But yeah, you yeah. know, some box sets are like, what, 14 records, five records. So, right. you know, it's right around that. And, and that includes like seven inches, 78s, uh, and obviously LPs and, and 10 yeah, inch records. I have some 10 inch records too. I forgot. That's a lot. That pales in comparison to my 100 records. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, hey, it's nothing, man. And honestly, I've been collecting since I was a kid, really. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to think yeah, about how long that's been. But yeah, it's been a long time. I was going to say, yeah, I think you've got, you've got a couple of years on uh, me and Matt. Also joining us today is Matt, who will be uh, moderating and sort of keeping time for us, making sure that uh, things uh, do eventually kind of calm down and keep us in <laughs> yeah, mind. Yeah, I, got with, the, uh, I know this is about to get pretty heated. So I really, you know, I'm trying to keep it clean, you know, between you two. Matt, fill him in on uh, what we're going to be arguing over today. These two are going to be talking about a couple of uh, Arcade Fire albums. Arcade Fire is probably best known for Funeral, their debut album. But mm -hmm. um, we're going to be talking about what's their best follow-up album. And uh, I believe Frank is going to be talking about Reflector. And Eric is going to yes. be defending his position on Neon Bible being the best Arcade Fire follow-up album to Funeral. Yeah, I definitely think that... Uh Funeral in the Suburbs are probably uh, the two records that uh, almost ignited Arcade Fire's career and got a lot of eyes on them. Mm -hmm. And I think Neon Bible and I think uh, Reflector were these two milestones that sort of um, kind of set uh, the stage for where they would go next in their careers. Right. But yeah, do you want, I don't know, do you want to start off with like a little bit of... Uh, I actually had a question about your channel. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, Eric. So, uh, what was your inspiration for this kind of like this whole vibe you've got going? Because I, I noticed you kind of have this sort of um, like throwback retro style, seventies mm -hmm. man cave. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I love it. So, what's like the like inspiration for that? Why'd you decide? Because I think it's an awesome look. It's very unique, and it definitely catches the yeah. eye when you're just scrolling through. Yeah. I mean, I think I think a lot of that credit where credit's due is to my best friend, Josh, who is a, he, he works in production design on, on uh, feature films like mm. Marvel and stuff like that. Uh, so he, wow. he's like a visual guy and he designs mm. 
things, every, you know, every aspect of his life he designs. And I think like what he did is he took a lot of who I am and then put it on the wall. So like, you know, the reason I even got into collecting vinyl was because I was looking for like funky clothes at thrift stores. And at, mm. and then, if, <laughs> and then you know, you're in a thrift store, you look through the records. Um, of course, right. So I had all these suits and, uh, you know, he, he, he knew I like to make cocktails and then I have this uh, love for mid-century modern, uh, peer, you know, uh, aesthetic. Yeah, aesthetic and yeah. yeah. So I think I think he just took all that and then put it on the screen, and I just trusted him, and and we went we went forward with that kind of kind of approach. Yeah. You really, I I think you really nailed that sort of look because even for watching sure. your channel, it's almost hard to distinguish like what time this is from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like but that's but like i don't know like you just you nailed that aesthetic so well thank you yeah i mean yeah. like i had a lot of help and now nowadays it's pretty much just me uh running everything what have you uh what have you been listening to recently yeah <laughs> Anim Anything on animals by pink Floyd. Of oh. arcade fire <laughs> oh right yeah you, i know you have a series of that uh yeah, yeah so but i mean i guess I know we, in private, we talked a little bit about this, um, and you gave me a lot of great records to check out, but the most mm -hmm. recent thing that I've really kind of been smitten with is the new Washed Out Purple Noon. That It's it's funny you mentioned that, because I was listening to uh, Temples the uh, last night, and then I ended up just going like on a, like a yeah. playlist and playing yeah. other songs, and it brought me to uh, that new Washed Out album that you were talking about. I think it was too late that I was listening to at one point, okay. but then I, so I saved the album at this point, and it caught my ear, so I definitely have to like give it a full listen to. But yeah, I remember you mentioning it, and I was like, okay, now I have an excuse to listen to this full thing now. <laughs> yeah, I think I told you, I, I think he made the best Sade album in, in the yeah. last 10 years. <laughs> like, it's 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 pretty great. It's very it's different than his last one, which was a little bit more upbeat. This one's more somber, and I think it's just I don't know. It's a little soothing for me after a long day of the news. Oh yeah, yeah. You need that, Frank. What have you been listening to? I've been I'm working on a White Stripes video at the moment. Oh yeah. Um, kind of kind of something that like I don't think a lot of people. I don't know if I brought this up to you, Eric, but I don't think a lot of people have. I haven't seen anybody talk about this. But on each one of the White Stripes' albums. There was a song titled Little Something. So there's little people, little bird, little room, little acorns, little ghosts, little cream soda. And like no explanation as to why he did this trend or like if there's really any significance in it anyways. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've pretty much just been listening to these six songs like on repeat uh, all day, just kind of like creating some sort of, um, I guess, like sonic map of how the white stripes have changed over time through the scope of those six songs. So I've been listening to a lot of the White Stripes. Um, I've been listening to Temples for a bit. Mm. I don't know. There's nothing that's really been kind of new that's catching my attention. But yeah, Matt, what are you listening to? Uh, do, do you guys listen to the uh, self-titled Michael Kiwanuka album from last year? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, I've been, yeah. I've, been I've been having uh, love and hate on repeat his uh you ain't the problem yeah yeah uh his uh his prior <laughs> album to that yeah i mean it, yeah I love oh, both those albums are just so good and i can't stop listening yeah. like i don't know dude there's something about his vibe that just like grabs me yeah he's just got that <laughs> it's that soul it's that almost like r&b rock yeah mm -hmm. and it's just good stuff. such a talented dude mm -hmm. but yeah with that said frank would you like to tell us 
what is so great <laughs> is it me who's going first <laughs> it is frank yeah so i i did i did a pretty a little uh, proprietary uh randomizer earlier you know it's a very mm. involved process but uh frank you will be going first today and so okay. i'd like to know why you think <sighs> reflector is so great I think for those who don't know, Reflector is Arcade Fire's fourth album. Uh, it came out after their record, The Suburbs, which shocked and awed a lot of people at the Grammys when it uh, stole album of the year from Eminem, Gaga, uh, Katy Perry, which deservedly so. Like, I, I definitely think it deserved it. Um, it pretty much put Arcade Fire on everyone's radar, the same sort of way that uh, Funeral initially did with a lot of indie kids back in the day. Um, but because of that... Uh, a lot of people had no idea who the hell Arcade Fire was when they went up there and received uh, that award. So, you know, suffice to say, there was a lot of eyes on them when their next project would eventually come around. And that was Reflector. And I think um, instead of kind of giving the people more of the same of the suburbs, it ended up becoming probably their most ambitious project to date. And I think it still stands apart from what came before it and even after uh, in their discography so far. So, Eric, feel free to also like interject at any point if you feel like I'm I'm being too uh, over dramatic or, or or you just even <laughs> want to like, put me down about anything. Oh, I <laughs> yeah, I thought that I thought I I do that after like a, like a lawyer no, no, like you can, a lawyer thing. I mean, you can interrupt me at any point, but yeah, you will have like a couple minutes to counter me after too. Yeah, I I, for, I just forgot to mention that because yeah, oh, like this okay. can be a full on conversation too. Yeah, don't mm -hmm. feel like I only have to talk for well, like. Well, no, six I mean, I think I think all that was pretty accurate. I wouldn't I wouldn't have anything. Yeah. yeah. But um, now, now we'll get to the. <laughs> to he the said good that stuff. right before he's about to get really like right. uh, edgy with yeah. it. <laughs> so Frank's playing the you nice know, guy. I get it. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's what that funeral. is. That's a knife in the back. Gosh, <laughs> All right, let's do this. Funeral too, was. <laughs> funeral was about growing up, the loss of innocence, uh, letting go of loved ones. Neon Bible was just more of the same. I think the suburbs had the group uh, like sort of sort of return to those neighborhoods of funeral. Um, but things were different now. You know, they were older and those suburbs were no longer what they remembered. The nostalgia was just that like old glamorous memories that just weren't as great as, as they thought they were. And I think the suburbs kind of allowed them to shed that nostalgia so that they could finally move on and evolve with their sound. Because and Reflector still kind of capitalizes on a lot of those anxieties, um, but now they're looking more outward as opposed to kind of how they feel on the inside. And that idea of them uh, losing track and moving on from where they came from is kind of the point of Reflector. Like they're they're no longer the band that they were on Funeral or or even the suburbs. Like I won't even mention the on Bible because it's just that forgettable. Oh, but um, just whoa. just like the world, <laughs> like they sort of splintered their their sound. And technically Reflector is a double album. Like it's not it's not an overloaded, yeah. like usual double LP with a lot of fluff. You know, that. it's thirteen <laughs> it's thirteen <laughs> tracks, like just over an hour long. Um but it's, it's two halves that house these two very different feelings. The first side is very much more raw and darker. Uh, the other side is a bit more loftier and dreamer, uh, dreamier. Um, but what makes this album pretty special is that it never settles into either one mood, but yet is still a completely cohesive record. Um, 
and it has, in my opinion, their magnum opus, the seven minute epic that is Reflector. Uh, it kicks off the album with this dark disco number that really sets the tone. Um, and it also features a cameo by David Bowie. So thanks for coming out. Yeah, I can't um, have to Thanks for listening, that. guys. Uh, <laughs> and the big reason um, for this change in sound definitely comes from James Goddamn Murphy, the dance punk king himself. Um, he was in the producer chair for this thing. And he really brought a lot of uh, some of it. Those sort some of, of it. Let's be honest. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> he definitely brought a lot more of. Uh, I think that sort of he, he took their baroque sound and sort of injected some dance and disco into it. They definitely uh, drew influences from other places too. Um, but I, I really liked Pitchfork said that uh, Pitchfork called it disco noir, which I think like really kind of the noir the the noir part noir part really um, sort of summarizes. Uh, arcade fire in general because they just are kind of depressing and dark um but they switched it up for this album like there's there's songs that are more synth pop more art rock more kraut rock electronica afrobeat um and each track does what it sets out to do like they're they're all fully realized tracks that are given chances to breathe grow climax and end powerfully and i think on uh, neon bible that just doesn't really happen as often like a lot of uh the songs kind of do grow and then fizzle out, but uh, I'll I'll get more into that after. Um, the new direction definitely isolated some older fans, uh, but I think the new ones who stuck around had a chance to sort of broaden their musical tastes towards more alt rock and electronic stuff. So I definitely think um, Reflector sort of took music fans and almost uh, made them better music fans in a way. Uh, it definitely got me more hooked on LCD, LCD sound system. I, I'd probably say they're in my top three at this point. And again, like thanks to Reflector. Cause I, I, I was, I think I became an arcade fire fan when, uh, Reflector was coming out. Cause I'd found them kind of around that time when the suburbs was just coming out. Um, but yeah, just even this album itself, like a lot of great motifs about even, um, that this sort of modern age that we live in where like cameras are stealing our souls um, children learning about love from porn sites on their computer screens uh, and the the title track about like a world where we've never been more connected yet further apart and i think it's almost like that like it's this is almost um arcade fire's okay computer initially when i i know that's kind of a bold statement but initially when this came out everybody was saying that this was their uh their kid a but i don't think i think the suburbs was kind of like uh their bends or like Radiohead's bends, uh, like a very straightforward <laughs> kind of rock album, very clean cut. And then OK Computer injected that sort of uh, modern day insight, but also the electronic sort of vibe to things. Um, there's even like a, a Greek mythology tragedy that's happening in, in the center of the album, too. Um, but yeah, it's definitely more raw than even The Suburbs was. It carries a lot more of that sort of live quality, whereas The Suburbs felt really super clean and, and tight. Um, and while it's probably their darkest album thematically, even though Neon Bible is pretty damn dark, um, like the, the hits on this album, if anything, made their live shows more upbeat. I don't know if you've been to an Arcade Fire live show in the last couple of years, um, but I, like, I think that was kind of their goal. They wanted to make a fun record for once. Like they took a lot of inspiration from New Orleans, Haitian, Caribbean influences uh, to be a lot more rhythmic, um, to kind of, you know, give something that was missing from their older albums, like I said. And it feels like you can actually dance to this Arcade Fire album. In live shows, like when the drop comes for Here Comes the Nighttime, like they they finally shoot some confetti up in the air because um, it's it's more of a party than just kind of a, a drag. Um, and it also has one of my favorite lines in all of music. 
uh, at one part he says, if there's no music up in heaven, then what's it for? And I think that's just kind of like, a, I don't know. I just like, I just like hearing that personally. Um, let me see what else the track we exist is so catchy. Um, but it hits us with the line down on your knees, begging us, please praying that we don't exist. It's kind of like this sonic juxtaposition that that's throughout this entire album with all these dark themes, but really upbeat music. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's pretty sleepy for me. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) And even there's even the part where normal uh, at the beginning of normal person where he's kind of critiquing the very genre that they're playing by saying, do you like rock and roll music? Cause I don't know if I do. This is, that's just a glorified talking head song with a terrible Ending. oh man and but that's the, that's the point it's a rock record that sort of disses rock and it is a callback to those old school genres kind of you know calling back to the old school stuff and making it new again and but like it's the band poking fun at themselves for once because they've been so serious with their themes for so long and like these such heavy themes that it was nice to see that you know they were kind of like poking more fun at themselves and i know even everything now is kind of panned but they even refer to the idea of somebody committing suicide in their tub while listening to funeral um and i mean neon bible might as well just be funeral deluxe but they needed to cheer things up somehow so they did i don't know they managed they managed to make the darkness sort of transformative with this album it was looking at the world and being like you know shit is messed up and i don't like it and they've always nailed that relatability. But I think on Reflector, they sort of managed to strike this beautiful balance of anxious emotion with energetic production. Like, hell yeah, we're sad, but we still want to dance. And yeah, that's that's my argument Man, for now. Oh, now, a lot of things were said there. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could jump in right here and just destroy you, but I got to leave that up to Eric. <laughs> so without further ado, Eric, lay the smack down. Well, do you- <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say, do you wanna do you wanna rebuttal for like the three minutes or do you wanna go straight into your argument? Yeah, what do you have to say about that? About Reflector? Yeah. Yeah, any comments on my argument? Reflector is basically just a collaboration album between Arcade Fire and LCD Sound System. It shouldn't count as an Arcade Fire alone record. The promotional but like campaign, you said, it's not what? Like you said, it's not. It, it wasn't completely produced by James Murphy, oh, but he, and he he did a like, little. It was a collaboration. He, did, he like brought you his said. suitcase full of sounds, <laughs> and he he just spooged all over the songs. Trust me. What Trust is it? Me. What does it say? What does it say on the front cover? It says Arcade Fire. I'm just saying it's a collaboration album. Let's be honest. The promotional well, campaign mean, encouraged property damage. That's not cool. <laughs> Neon Bible had an amazing web 2.0 website Neon Bible with tons of really cool things to find. Neon Bible, Neon Bible encourages built, depression. They had built a six foot neon sign. What did they do for a reflector? It's like a, they did a lot. They did like a, an AR experience online. No, they no. had, uh, the they had Shia LaBeouf, a- Ben Stiller, like coming to a music video. They had those, those helmets that they wore on stage. They came up with a whole new aesthetic for their live shows. Yeah, but no one remembers There's that. There's a lot. All they, all they look at on Spotify <laughs> Nobody remembers is the a Bible. little thumbnail of a Rodin sculpture and some glitter. That, <laughs> what is that? What is that? That is lame. Uh, Basically, Reflector is a half-baked concept of an alter ego band that was really just an excuse to have a Caribbean vacation and get high with James Murphy. Oh. That's all it was. <laughs> oh. And it's fun. Oh, yeah, it's fun. But the album flow is mm. stilted, especially on vinyl. It is, it is not good. 
Um, <laughs> Especially and it's, on and it's concept based on classical works and poetry and blah, 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 blah. How relatable is that? No, 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 no. And in their I own... I mean, it's not just about that, though. In, it's about... It's a, literally about, like, global anxiety and, like, how how the world is sort of Oh, I'm sorry, but apart, they covered but, like, that in Neon Bible just fine. <laughs> it, it, apparently, they just... They keep doing the same thing. Oh, well, even... You Ooh. just dug yourself a hole there. Ooh, Frank. <laughs> and, and let's just... Okay, and in their own words, it's just a reflector. It's just a reflector. What... It's nothing. It's 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 nothing more than that. Okay, you're reading mm. too much into it. And if you go to the Spotify, <laughs> go to the Spotify top ten tracks from from Arcade Fire. There are no songs from Reflector, but there are two from Neon Bible. Mm. And <laughs> lastly, Reflector is bad because it yeah, gave but those them songs the might okay- as well just be on the suburbs. Those songs might as well just be on Funeral. Like, tell me something that they did differently on oh, funeral. Oh, everything now is in their top five. I'm sorry. And Reflector. Yeah, that's that's a bop of a song. If that song, it had their whole album been a little bit more consistent, at least everything now, that would have been a fantastic album. If anything, I think more, it was it was too panned. A lot of people complained about like the smallest things. But I think those are all the diehards who really love Neon Bible that just didn't like, you know, happy stuff. Well, hey. I- <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I was I was around from when all these records came out. Okay, so I know what I know what it was. I remember being in a record store when Funeral came out. Everyone bopped to that to that record. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. That was a, I, like epic, no denying Funeral is great. I mean, putting on my eyeliner, rocking out with my emo haircut. <laughs> that's what I did in what 2003. When did that come out? Oh five. I can't remember. Four. Oh, four. Five, yeah. Those are my oh, my bender years right there. <laughs> My lost weekend, as John Lennon had. Wow. All right. Do you want to? Do you want to go with? Let's let's hear what you have to say about Neon Bible. All right. All right. Neon Bible. All right. So we already talked about this. Their their debut album put them on the map for a lot of people. Heard them on the radio, and now you got to follow that up, right? There is a mm-hmm. lot on the line. It is make it. Or break it. It's not like, oh, we just won a bunch of Grammys. Let's blow some cash and go to the Caribbean. No. I mean, they, it sounds like they still blew some cash. But, yeah, go ahead. Well, no. Buying, okay, so they bought an old church that was also a Masonic temple to record in. How classic rock and roll story is that? They rock self-produced it. Self-produced it. They didn't need <laughs> some fancy guy with a suitcase full of sounds. All right. Apparently they did because nobody remembers Neon Bible. They included, they brought in two new members, Sarah, Sarah and Jeremy, who went on to be core members of their following album. Okay. So that's a big deal. And then what came out was this brilliant concept record that both celebrated and criticized Americana, specifically religion, materialism, and technology addiction, themes that have only magnified in recent years. So already this, this is giving back again and again and again. It's rooted down to earth with relatable lyrics. The strings are incredibly lush throughout something that gets lost in their later work, I might add. And it became their highest charting album at that time. So it solidified not well, I mean, only it the followed band. Up funeral. <laughs> no, so it did. So a lot did. of people were expecting. Oh, yeah, but but it, it, a lot of people were expecting big things, right? Well, they could have easily given us. Well, actually, I can't use that example. Uh, but they could easily given they us they something. Gave us funeral deluxe. Okay, so the point I'm trying to make here. <laughs> 
is not you can go on and on about your deluxe edition of funeral but neon bible <laughs> not only present it it proved they weren't such a, a flash in the pan but it also solidified the indie rock genre in the early 2000s along with the shins and modest mouth so it became like this commercial thing that only allowed them to then go on and make the suburbs it is uh you know some of my favorite songs black mirror Great album opener, epic feeling, feeling, dystopian outlook, and it's foretelling of our current age. I mean, look at the Netflix show. Keep the car running. This, oh, I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan, and this is just a great tribute to him. Yeah, the, that even whole al- the, the whole album feels like a, a very Bruce Springsteen sort of uh, influence thing. Neon Bible, the title track, hypnotic, that blends right into intervention. A cheery, cheery rally cry against the power of the neon bible right and don't forget black wave slash bad vibrations it's to me this is arcade fire at their best it's transportive it's aching it's sorrow-filled it their struggle and then you got ocean of noise hold up this is amazing modern 50s ballad and that bass line just it, it kills me and then you got songs like the windowsill the well in the lighthouse. I mean, there's, there, oh, the, oh, the wall in the what lighthouse. I mean, what kind of placement is that? That's amazing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just, it picks the energy right back up. You know, I, I could go on every track here, and I know I'm going to run out of time here, but every song on here is great. No cars go. Whoa, hey, give me more of that. And the coda is just beautiful, but yet they chose to end it with "My body is, uh, is a cage." And this, to me, is just glorious dystopian poetry. And it ultimately, for me, shows how the idealism of youth can become cynicism later in life. To me, track by track, the album is incredibly smooth, and the concept really works, and it was very personal to the band. Man, that uh, you, guys, you guys both made, I think, some great points. Uh, I'm not going to give mm-hmm. my opinion just yet. I think now's the time for. Uh, I was going to say, should I? Re- well, should I rebuttal first? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, do you uh, do you uh, want to? If you got anything, I've else got to some say? things to say about Neon Bible. Yeah, <laughs> I think Neon Bible felt like more reactionary to Funeral, if anything. Like it was, it was going to be tough to follow up Funeral, regardless. Um, and you know, like I, I will say, there are some great highs on on Neon Bible, but it sounds like a band who was just overwhelmed by their success. They had a ton of pressure on them to follow uh, all the praise that they got for Funeral, and sort of almost like reinstating what indie music was at that point. Um, and it's them attempting to be more ambitious by essentially just throwing everything that they could at their sound. They the full on gospel choirs, orchestras, soaring bass sections, um, while a lot of Win Butler's vocals kind of get lost in the mix. It was just all overly lavish fluff. And I think even the drums on the album were almost like non-existent. Like I was just listening to it before this podcast and like, I don't even think drums are on the album. Like It almost could have fooled me. Um, and it still continues with those themes, yes, of like loss, innocence, uh, loss of innocence, nostalgia, and it does have more of that sort of global anxiety. Um, but you'll still find that in Reflector too. And if anything, it's a more updated and more uh, concise idea that they were trying to go for. If anything, it was just all too self-serious. Um, and it makes me miss more of like the uplifting energy and the anthems that were on Funeral. And it's not to say that like darkness is a bad thing in albums. We all have our lows. Um, but I think music on and like music on Neon Bible reaches out to us kind of when we need it. Um, but nobody wants to stay in those lows. 
You know what I mean? Like, so it ruins a bit of that replayability for me personally. And it's just not a head, like Neon Bible is not a headspace or a vibe that I want to return to frequently. Um, and, you know, Funeral was all about looking at death as a sort of way to celebrate life, whereas Neon Bible kind of failed to provide that same sort of payoff or relief. There's no there's no wake up moment and like goosebump inducing moments on Neon Bible that kind of compare to Funeral or Whoa, even hey, some of the songs off can, of. Can you do me a favor? Suburbs. Take two fingers and press it against your neck. And if you feel a, <laughs> do you feel any bumps there? I, I do when I listen to Neon Bible, maybe Black Wave. Because you may not have a pulse. If it, that's the track. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But so you know, and I don't know, and like let's take an example of my body is a cage. Like I'm, this is the lyric. I'm standing on the stage of fear and self doubt. It's a hollow play, but they'll clap anyway. Like it's it's just very morbid. It doesn't really give people the hope that funeral was kind of giving to anybody. But I don't know. I think you and like I said earlier, I think you could take any one track from Neon Bible, put it on either the suburbs or funeral, and no one would have batted an eye. But hmm. that's that's all I've got to say about Neon Bible. All right, you guys. If you have any final <laughs> smackdowns you want to lay on your opponent here, now is the time. <laughs> yeah, I'll let Eric yeah, go ahead, Eric, if you have anything else to say. Okay, I'll just preface this by saying, you know, lyrics aren't as, you know, they don't attract me first as much as, like, Mm. composition, arrangements, Um, and I just, I'll I'll just point out, like, here comes the nighttime, it starts out cool, then it slows to Mm. snail's pace with a belching sea lion for a bass line. The piano link, the <laughs> piano lick is rinky dink, and then it speeds up the two thirds of the way through the song. And I just, what is that? It's dynamic. It's dynamic. Okay, it's then the change just that break. you need in like a in a six minute song. Or they just didn't know what to do, and they were like double time. <laughs> and they took a big old line of coke, and we're like James Murphy, hit hit us with those sweet cosmic sounds. <laughs> And he did it. And it was a fantastic and ambitious record because of it. It it made Arcade Fire. I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say it made them any better because look what happened with everything now. But I think it's definitely a sound that they needed to venture into to sort of, if anything, keep their live shows around because I I think everybody was either falling asleep or, uh, you know, hopping in a bathtub about to commit suicide to Funeral and Neon Bible. I mean, sure, if you want to sell out to the live crowd, go go ahead. <laughs> I mean, that's what, but that's what music is. It is that experience, like, and that's how musicians make their livelihood. If anything, it's through their live shows. That's your personal, that's your opinion. <laughs> All right, you each get one minute now to uh, give me, uh, just like if you weren't going to convince me in a very concise way of your album and why it's the better of the two, uh, Frank, you go ahead. All right. Um, well, I think The Suburbs was a decade-defining release. Reflector has been artist-defining. Um, they could have easily done a victory lap after The Suburbs with more of the same, but instead they changed their sound completely, introduced their fans to something new, um, while also drawing a whole new slew of fans. Um, and I think Reflector is essentially an ode to music in that way, like the way we discover it, the way we share it, and how it sort of fits into our lives. Um, with a new genre Uh, That pays respects to the sounds of the past while also kind of bringing their own uh, noir modern flair to it. And, you know, everything now was panned pretty hard despite some fun songs on there. But as it stands now, Reflector is their last great album. Will it ever be topped? Who knows? But if there's no Reflector up in heaven, I ain't going. Oof. All right, Eric. (laughs) What do you got to say? So this record gave us 
more of what we wanted, but also it went darker and deeper. It proved that the band wasn't just a flash in the pan and it paved the way for the suburbs, which would not have been as successful without Neon Bible. This album is coming, this album is about coming to terms with one's place in the world and then trying to make it better. It's an exercise in less is more and giving it all you got. It's a record that continues to give back the more you listen. I like that. Man, <laughs> that was deep. Uh, so, all right, you guys. Um, I hear both your arguments. I think you guys both, you, you both defended your albums well. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, Frank, some of your best points is uh, kind of painting funeral as, or uh, uh, Neon Bible as funeral too, because I do see that sort of, uh, like it, the sound didn't evolve too much from funeral in my opinion. Mm. Um, I think that's that, I think that was one of your best points, but Eric said something that <laughs> I had been thinking, but never said out loud. Um, and, and it, and it, and it kind of confirmed this in my head. So you mentioned something early on about, uh, talking heads and bringing that up. And to me, reflector Mm. is the little creatures for arcade fire where it was after that long album streak of just like great, great, great work. And then little creatures, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but it's where talking heads kind of lost their cool factor. Um, oh, yes. Mm. And yes, that's, I know this one. that's kind of where, uh, where reflector ends up for me. Like, it's not awful. How dare you? It's not <laughs> awful. It's not awful, but yeah. it, it, it's, it, it just kind of loses its cool factor. Um, and like, it, it's, it's one of those things it's hard to put your finger on cause it's not like it sounds bad, you know, but like, mm. there's just something about it that just doesn't really grab onto me quite as much as the other ones. And I think that Eric bringing that up. I, I was shocked whenever he, he made that talking heads comparison. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, wow. So, uh, cause I was gonna say if anything reflector is them sounding more like talking. Yeah. Heads. Yeah. But like the bad talking heads, <laughs> like not, yeah, not, okay, so not like the good talking heads, <laughs> the MTV talking heads. <laughs> yeah. Like, like 1985 and later talking heads. <laughs> well, see, let, like if arcade fire had not done the reflector route, like what would they have done? Well, that's the thing too. Because like after after the suburbs, like who Polka. like where do you go? Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, right? that's the thing too is because you you kind of also said that it was sort of like that gateway, or they were trying to, you know, like that evolution of their so- sound and like kind of deciding where they were going to go from there. But where did they go from mm. there, Frank? Like 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 they didn't really go anywhere, did they? Everything now. Well, I mean, they clearly didn't go over to James Murphy's place because you know. Like they didn't come back with the same sort of sound. They, they didn't really evolve that. They sort of ended up going the more Aberute, the more uh, like heavily leaning into disco. And yeah, yeah I don't know that's, and, but yeah, I do. I definitely do think everything now was kind of a little too overly panned. Um, Cause I, there are some genuinely great songs on there. I think at the beginning and sort of more towards the end, but yeah, the middle does suffer a little bit, but yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously at this point, I think I've, uh, showed my bias here so i gotta give it to eric uh sorry about that frank <laughs> but, um, well thankfully it's not up to matt so if you were listening and you'd like to vote on who you think is the winner of this um you can do so on our twitter at more middle eight or through the youtube community page at youtube.com slash middle eight and let us know who you think won this debate reflector or neon bible i, th- I think frank you, you made great you made great points actually i was 
you and did. so do you, man. You like, did, you yeah. honestly convinced me, yeah. like, that Neon well, Bible was great, even though it's not. Well, Eric just had, like, the best <laughs> zingers that I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, I've never heard anyone <laughs> insult, like, like that before. I heard Matt crack. I heard you cracking up. <laughs> I was there. dying, dude. I was dying. That was so <laughs> well, funny. If, if I know it's all in jest, I, yeah, I can go all day. But to actually insult people, I, I, it's really against my nature, so... Yeah, yeah. I but think I, I think when you start attacking the person, that's different, right? But like if right. you're attacking the music, you're attacking the artist, then yeah, like yeah. go for it kind of thing. What have you got like on your top three or top five so far this year? I can give you three that I'm I'm totally digging right now. Uh well, I mean like right off the bat, I I, I was really enamored by um the posthumous release of uh Mac Miller circles. That was I very good. that mm. was that was very, very heartfelt. And it made me go and listen to his discography. And it's mm. tragic to hear him rhyme about how he actually died. It's, it's really, right. it's really sad. It's, I don't know. To me, he just kind of remind, remind, unfortunately, his death just reminded me of so many other artists that we've lost early on, mm-hmm. you know, like Kurt Cobain, mm-hmm. Hendrix, Brian Jones. Uh, I mean, the list, yeah. uh, the guy, you know, there's some, there's a lot, there's a lot. Um, I really liked, uh, mystic familiar Dan Deacon. Um, mm. oh, yeah. I thought a good psychedelic album. Yeah. I mean, so it's for him. Sometimes he's been hit or miss for me. Sometimes he's a little too beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you <Eno>. know? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just. Yeah, this wasn't my thing. And then the new Phoebe Bridgers just oh yeah gets gets to me. Top five it's, for me on uh, that one. I just I love the her voice, the melodies, the arrangements. Yeah, I keep coming back to that record. Yeah, man. I think I ended up adding a song from. I just updated uh, one of my playlists, the Future of Rock is Female one, and I think I added a a, a, a garden song from that Phoebe Bridgers album. Great song. Nice. But yeah, yeah, it was a really good song. But. Uh, I don't know. For for me, it's got to be. I think we talked about it, but it was that Jesse Ware album. What's your pleasure? It's like this dance pop disco oh, yeah. album, which again sort of out. fits in with uh, the reflector sort of vibe. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What what did you think about it? Did you listen to it? Yeah. No, I did. I listened. I think I heard, listened to it twice. Um, it didn't blow me away. I mean, some of it mm. sound derivative of like some New Jack Swing style, not New Jack Swing, but the Minnesota style kind of prince mm. vibe like oh that's cool and yeah. some, of, some of it was yeah. like reminiscent of some other songs that i like too i mean there's a whole host of forgotten 80s jam 70s and 80s jams but like i i, I liked her a take on it but yeah it wasn't i also I, it, it's just not my thing i guess yeah. too i think i go crazy for it just because like my my mom was very much the like madonna sort of freestyle uh, like stevie b back in the day 80s sort of thing so like i feel yeah. like that sound is almost like drilled into my head mm-hmm. oh yeah um so when i hear something like new like that that's like that's what kind of gets my rocks off i guess <laughs> gets your rocks off, off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man get, get them out of there yeah <laughs> i'd say uh alfredo by freddie gibbs and the alchemist has not been toppled for me mm. I don't think I don't know if it will be. It would take something pretty like something that would have to absolutely blow me away to, to you know to uh, you know what I out. think uh, like I think Sufjan Stevens album is gonna <sighs> either surprise us or it's gonna just like pass us by. But I'm really I'm really holding out for like that one more album this year or like mm. two more albums this year that are sort of gonna like blow me away. That'd be a great fall album too. 
Yeah. Just, yeah, I know. Sufjan would be great. But. Keeping my fingers crossed for a new King Gizzard right now. <laughs> oh, I, true, I, yeah. I bet it's coming. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, mean, those, I, don't, those I don't know guys if it'll drop poker. this year, but... <laughs> they should do polka. They should. They, they should do another well. like maybe three albums that, in 2021. That and, and explore some genres. Yeah, yeah explore <laughs> a, a reggaeton album. Yeah. from King yep. Gizzard. Yeah. Oh my God. Scott. I'd love to Dude, see that. I would get down to that. That'd be cool. Yeah, King Gizzard. If you're listening, wow, well, we're just handing them out. So you know, <laughs> all these great pick ideas. One. <laughs> uh, while we're on yeah. the subject, do you have a favorite record of theirs? King Gizzard. Yes. Hmm. I do. Hmm. Um, Polygon Waterland. I, I want to say. Easy. I want to say Nonagon Infinity. Yes. It's that. It's that or Flying Microtonal Banana. Or I feel like Polygon and Waterland is like a close third. That's easy. But yeah, mind. probably. Probably Nonagon and Flying Microtonal. What about you? Yeah, Nonagon. That was my first record in like first record yeah. experience with them, and it just I've it's never been beat. So I might yeah. be a little biased, but yeah, it was the first for me too. Yeah, I, I listened to all of their albums for the first time this year, just like I did with Lana's. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, it's a, number one. Yeah, it's a Polygon Wanna Land easy, easy, easy for me. Yeah, um, I know. I remember when that came out. I think it had replaced uh, Nonagon Infinity for a bit, but then yeah, going back to Nonagon, it was just uh, it, like I don't know, it just can't be beat. It's just it just sounds like such a like classic at this point. And then yeah, even like the, I guess like the kind of gimmicky play the album on repeat kind of thing is. It's just great. Yeah, to be fair, Nonagon is my second favorite, so it is up mm-hmm. there. They're both great. They're both great albums. I feel like they're, they're they've kind of been falling off for me a little bit ever since uh, I don't know, maybe Gumboot Soup, Fishing for Fishies, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I just haven't been as interested in kind of their output after that. But I don't. know. They got to change things up. Have you listened to Rat's Nest? I didn't like I didn't like Rat's Nest that much. You know it what? Just wasn't my. I'm with you, man. Sound. I I, I feel mm-hmm. like I felt like I was alone in that, but I'm actually with you in that. I did a, I did a ranking list on Twitter and I put it like close to the bottom yeah. and a lot of people weren't too happy with that. Yeah, but. dude. People tell yeah, me I'm crazy, I but yeah, I I mean, I'm all for them doing what what they want to do, but I I just kind of got bored with it. Did they just, just wasn't add more? But I'm looking forward to whatever, you know, they kind of put out. I'll listen to it. That's the thing. I think they added actually two of their albums that weren't on streaming. I think they added them on streaming recently. Um, yeah, they, it's been a long process for like their old albums. They've yeah. kind of been putting the older ones up over time. Eyes oh. like the sky and Willoughby's beach. Like I'm pretty sure those weren't on there earlier this year. Okay. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Those are new. But yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, again, if you guys want to vote for who you think won, uh, the podcast debate, you can do so at more middle eight on Twitter or, uh, youtube.com slash middle eight on the community page. Thanks, Eric, for for coming on, having a nice heated debate with me. It did get pretty spicy. Um, <laughs> a, little, a, a little bit of sweat kind of dripping out of me yeah, at this I, point. I got <laughs> nervous, man. <laughs> Good. That's that's honestly that feeling. Like I love that feeling of, of what this like madness sort of does. But yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank Matt, you. Matt, as always, thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for editing this. Thanks for moderating, flipping the coin. Always great. For sure, man. But yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>